first of all, care for people. Your people are really who's going to support you. They're the ones that are going to do the work. They're the ones bringing value. You're there to help lead them to knock down barriers, but care for your people and support them. That's the sign of a good leader. But also when you take that role, and this is where Expanded is, make sure you enjoy what you're doing. Do what you do for a purpose. Our purpose is to drive the energy transition, to decarbonize the world. And it's an exciting role. It's a good reason to get out of bed every day. So enjoy what you're doing and enable those people around you to do what they desire and and be motivational for them. So that's a quick summary of what motivates me to get out of bed every day and make sure that I'm willing to sacrifice, trade some of the good things or the family life around this because I think we've got a great purpose and excited on the direction that we're going. You're listening to Flipping the Barrel Podcast, a women's perspective in oil and gas. We are your hosts, Macy and Jamie. And our mission here is simple, to bring you the untold stories of this industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Flipping the Barrel, a podcast where we interview leaders in the energy space to uncover and find out more about their life and career journeys. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Richard Vorberg, who is the president of the North America hub of Siemens Energy based in Orlando, Florida. Richard has over 30 years of experience with Siemens Energy, including extensive involvement in the manufacturing, commission management, project management, and marketing aspects of the power generation business. Throughout his career, Richard has had the privilege to live and work in several different locations around the world, including Canada, Indonesia, Korea, Argentina, and Germany. So global perspective that we're going to find out a little bit more about all of those locations. And Richard holds a Bachelor's of Applied Science degree in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Waterloo, Canada, and his MBA from the ESMT in Berlin, Germany. When he is not working, he can be found running, biking, swimming, and enjoying time with his wife and four children in Florida. So Richard, we cannot wait to dig in into your story. You have such a different background from anyone we've interviewed on the podcast and also being part of the power generation business. This is new for us. We're really excited to have you today. Excellent. Really looking forward to it and appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you. Great. Well, let's get right into it. Marcel mentioned in the bio that you are from Hamilton, Canada, and you came from a family of Dutch immigrants. So I can only imagine that's so incredible coming over from international and having to put yourself into Canada must have been very interesting at such a young age with your family immigrating. When you were children, you grew up there and your dad was actually in the power industry. So it inspired you to follow in his footsteps. And this is pretty cool because a lot of times when we hear about the father or mother being in the industry that the children don't really feel as I would say equally wanting to go the direction that they do always want to rebel but it sounds like this was something that really inspired you can you bring us back to your earlier days and how it shaped you to become who you are today but also what inspired you about what your father's work was Yeah. So I think when you look at when my mother and father came from the Netherlands and ended up in Canada, they were working people. They actually met in Canada. So I was actually born in Canada and raised in Canada, and they had four children as well. And it's great to see that 
immigrant work ethic. And I still see that today in a lot of people that come into the United States. And my parents really drove that, we call it a Dutch Calvinist work ethic, which means you're uh, working hard for a living and you work hard and you play hard. I think that's the way I would associate both my parents is they're very family oriented. We did a lot of things together. You know, my father worked as a millwright in the power industry. So he was a shop floor guy. He worked in the factory, did an awful lot of things, probably had a lot more opportunities that there were a lot more things he could have done, but English was his second language, which by the time I was the youngest, so by the time I came around, he was pretty adept at it, but he was continually working hard his whole career up until he retired. And what that taught me is how important everybody in the food chain is. And just because you're the president doesn't mean your top of the heap. It means you may have certain responsibilities, but everybody throughout the whole organization has those responsibilities. Everybody from the lowest level of the organization to the top have a job to do. And it always reminds me of the person at NASA when they were walking around and they stopped and they talked to the cleaning lady and said, what do you do for a living? And she said, I'm putting a man on the moon. I truly, and I think that's so important that everybody's bringing benefit to the company and we've got to figure out how to help each other because we're maybe not putting people on the moon, but we're doing important work and we've got to make sure that we all stay together and we do that important work. I think what I really like about your story is how you have such a unique journey in the sense that your father was a worker on the shop floor, that now you are a president of a very similar type of business. So you know from just being at home with your father, maybe the struggles or the challenges that people on the floor have to go through. You do not forget that even though you're president. And I think what's really unique too is that you were a field engineer yourself in this same company for five years where you also got to not only get the experience through your dad, but yourself, you were a field engineer. And so you also know what those challenges could be of people who are working out there hard day in and day out to power the world. You landed a job in manufacturing floor as a factory engineer after being a field engineer. And shortly after, they saw a lot of potential in you and they decided to make you maintenance manager. You were young for that position and you had no clue really what you were getting into, but they trusted you enough with the skill set. And also your father kind of was part of that. And so you were a maintenance manager and a lot of your father's friends, et cetera, they were also kind of now below you and you were at such a young age. So that must have been a very interesting dynamic. What do you think were some attributes that helped you early on in your career to be identified as a good leader? Because to your point, when you told us the story, you were pretty young when they gave you this position. So they must have seen something in you. Can you tell us a little bit of maybe what are some things that made you stand out at such a young age? I think they still stand out in my career now. It's about caring caring about your people. People throw that word around, oh, I care about my people. But do you really care about your people? Do you really look at your people and say, I want to know about your family situation. I want to know about what's distracting you or where your focus is. And also, I care about people that they want to make sure that they're able to do their job. So what are the barriers that our company is putting in the way from you to be able to do your job. That's probably my chief role as a leader in North America is knock down those barriers that are in front of our employees. And when we do that, that opens the role for them to go do the job that they want to be doing. You know, I think the other thing is be humble enough to know I don't know it all. 
and I'm the leader, but I don't know it all. My management team doesn't know it all. The, everybody knows their piece. That makes this a great company, Siemens Energy. And if I start telling people too far down into the organization, this is how you do your job. What's their motivation? Nobody wants to be told how to do their job. They want to be given a free reign and say, here are the guidelines, here are the, stay within this, and this is what the result that we want to see. Now go do it. And my experience is when I give people that, they far exceed my expectations. And that goes back to my early days. So when I took over as maintenance manager, I was a gas turbine engineer. I knew about gas turbines. I didn't know very much about large lays or boring mills or anything like that. So I had to rely on my guys. And I kind of opened my eyes to go, man, they know their stuff and they can do their stuff. They just need us to knock down the barriers in front of them. And the things that we did, and I think people really like to work in that mindset. And part of the benefit and what I've kind of made my career on is underneath me now that through the organization is people want to work in my teams because I've opened up those doors. I keep getting better and better people working for me. And just by nature, they're pushing me up. That's not my ambition. My ambition is to go do a great job. But when you got a great team under you and you're attracting better and better people, the side effect is doing well as a manager as well. And now a little word from our sponsor, Technip FMC. Macy, you know what I appreciate about them as a sponsor is their mission is directed towards a more inclusive and diverse workforce. One of the reasons why we started this podcast was to move the industry forward, and they back that belief. Their focus is creating a culture of inclusion that will attract, develop, and retain a more diverse, talented group and ensure their employees can always bring their authentic selves to work. Beyond the DNI, they're also big into technologies. They believe in change and innovation in everything they do. Their offerings range from individual products and services to fully integrated solutions with a single interface to ensure a seamless execution. Their core focus is on the energy transition, emerging materials, and digital industrialization. To find out more about their most popular technologies like iProduction, iComplete, eMission, and iEPCI, go to technipfmc.com. And now, back to the show. That just makes me so happy to hear you talk about that and talk about how many people want to follow you and be under you because it really does say a lot about your character. And it says a lot about how you appreciate the work ethic and the work of others around you enough that you don't overstep them and you allow them to share their skill set that they're ultimately maybe even better at you at, but you're good at fostering that. And I think that's what makes a great leader is fostering those things that people do feel confident in, building that confidence in them. And ultimately, they trust you. And I think that that says a lot about who you are as a person. We talked a little bit about a lot of the roles that you had been in early on were operational. And you had decided that you would wanted to pursue an MBA. And this was later in your career. What drove you to this decision? Because there's a lot of people today and people I even talk to in my group that they're always questioning, do I need to get an MBA? What is the benefit? Do I have to have it in order to move up in the company? Can you give us some of your advice and what made you pursue an MBA? Yeah, so I kind of had a lot of those same questions, Jamie, over my career. And I convinced myself that Siemens Energy, they put all this training into me 
I probably already have an MBA with all the different training. And, and what I realized is that's a great excuse. What you don't have it is in a consolidated line, which is what you know, I did my executive MBA over two years. And we would do a week every other month and I'd have to fly to Germany for it. That was an exciting time of my life. It was a stressful time of my life. It was a busy time of my life. It took a week and a half away from my family because we'd start Monday morning and like all good Germans, you do not finish early. You finish on time and we fill everything. There's no shortcuts. And we would finish up, start Monday morning, finish up Saturday afternoon. And then I would have to fly back on Sunday, be ready for work on Monday morning. It was a lot of effort on my part. It was a lot of time that my family missed as well. I had to do a lot of assignments in between. I had many great operational roles. And what I realized is I'm a great tactician, but I'm not a great strategist. I wanted to really hone that skill set. There's people around our industry that says, oh, those strategy guys, they just take what we operations guys know and put it into slides and they get all the credit for it. Maybe that's right. Maybe it isn't right. But look at what the strategy guys are doing. They're doing an awful lot of good things as well. I kind of realize that people are taking a lot of our great ideas and turning them into a plan going forward. But if you really want to be a leader, you've got to look at not just today, not just next month, but next year, three years from now, five years now. I belong to a company that's been around for 175 years. It's my ambition as the leader on the North American side to make sure this company's around for another 175 years. And you don't do that by working day to day, month to month. You've got to look at the future. And I think that's what my MBA opened my eyes to is strategy is extremely important. And there's also skills around strategy. That isn't just making slides. It's about thinking through processes, thinking through the next step, how you go from where you are today to where you need to be tomorrow, the next month and the next years ahead. As much as every day I use my uh, technical abilities, I use what I learned as a field engineer, how to treat people. Since I took my MBA to, uh, later on in my career, I use that skill set as well now every day. And I think that's helped hone me who I am. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing. And I think just another great quality of leadership is always continuous learning, no matter what position you're in, no matter how many years you've been working. It's the I want to keep getting better and better and looking at those blind spots of maybe I need help in strategy. Maybe I've got this. That's good. And so it's, it's just showcasing that you never stop learning in life. If you want to keep growing, I think these types of things are important, like an MBA. So tell us a little bit about your current role now, as you said, president of North America. What skills did you need to sharpen once you actually got the role? And did you ever see yourself doing something like this when you were younger, even when you were a field engineer or you went into the maintenance manager? Did you ever think one day I will be president? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, the role that I do now, it's president of North America. What that means, it's about 13,000 people. I've got Canada and the U.S. under my responsibility. And being a large company, Siemens Energy is over 90,000 people. And here in the U.S., we've got 13,000 of them. So what that creates is this big matrix. And working in a matrix is not necessarily always the easiest way because you're doing a lot of managing by influence as well as managing by being people's direct managers. So we've got four different business areas 
that are managed by other people that are looking at it in a global basis. And what I do is I look at it as a regional basis. Our global leaders of different business areas, their focus is really around their area of expertise. And what I'm really constantly doing is I'm stretching across each of the different business areas to make sure they're working in the synergies. Because frankly, when you look at each of the four different businesses, we have competitors in each of those four different businesses. When we act as Siemens Energy and work across, then we come in a consolidated approach and we can give some complex offerings that nobody else can give, whether that be tying in our turbines with transmission, with battery storage, with wind alternatives, or and tying in compression and small steam turbines and large steam turbines. We can cut and then put a digital wrap around that. That's an offering that nobody can offer a customer and a customer then can look at Siemens Energy and say, you're the company I want to deal with because you're going to make my life easy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the approach that we want to have. And some people are, no, no, we want you to act in the small areas. And some people say, I don't have people to do that full wrap. Siemens Energy, you go do that full wrap and bring me the solution. And I'm proud to work in that group. So my job is to work across the different ways as president, as well as that face of the company. So one of the areas that I really focused on was partnership. And our partners, our traditional partners are customers. We always say we partner with customers. Do we really partner with customers? And as a partner, a partner when things are good and when things are bad or difficult. And I wanted to focus on that partnership. But also look at the non-traditional ones. Government, I started focusing on. Then we started seeing the BIL or the Infrastructure and Jobs Act and the IRA come out. And we realized how important government was. We brought in the partnership with the universities and the great things that we're doing together with some of the government money, as well as some of the universities and doing that partnership. And then opening our mind a little further is communications and the media needs to be our partner. We got a great story to tell. And being a good conservative company like Siemens Energy is, we really don't like to be so far out in front of the press. And what I saw was some of our competition was out in front of the press saying what they might be doing in the future. I kept looking at it going, wait a sec, we're doing these things as Siemens Energy. We're changing the world. We're energizing society and decarbonizing the world and driving this energy transition. Yet nobody knows it because we're not out in front. We've strongly partnered with media, different media sources, as well as uh, speaking opportunities. So almost every week I'm speaking at two or three different places bringing our story. So a lot of the focus was that external communication of the great things that we're doing, but then also the internal focus, because what I really like about Siemens Energy is the family aspect of it, the multi-generations, as we talked about. I'm not the only second generation. There's multi-generational that we have go through there. What I see that is, is very much a family. And I know some people said, oh, you can't talk about business and family being that together because people have different impressions of family. I said, I understand, but the company I want to create is a family. People don't leave their family unless you get extreme situations. Mm. I think we can create a good, healthy family that people see there's career opportunities, there's development opportunities, 
And there may be a dollar or two here at, at other companies to chase. Would you leave your family over a couple of dollars? And my bet is people, want, when they see what the benefit of a family like Siemens Energy is. So my focus was really around external communications and internal communications. And we've come a long way in the last two, two and a half years of doing that. We see our employee opinion surveys rising up. We see uh, that we do internally. We see media attention coming towards us. And I think as we look at the last NPS that we did with our customers here in North America, we saw some significant upswing. We're still not there. We still got a lot of room to grow and improve our positions with our customers. But we saw probably a 25, 30% upswing in one year to the next. And I think that's part of telling our story and telling who we are and doing what we say we're going to do. You touched on so many great things, <laughs> but two things that really stood out to me is the family orientation that you want the company to look and feel. And I think that's so important, especially in today's world, the next generation, that is what they want. They want to feel like they're part of something, not that they're just showing up at work every day and then they go home and then it's just something that they do. It's their quote unquote day job. You want it to be more than that to them. Also, you mentioned on that external communication, and it's so key to tell your story. And Siemens Energy has such a wonderful story to tell that the world needs to know. And I look forward to seeing more of that from y'all because we definitely need more of our industry to share their stories. You mentioned a little bit earlier about getting your MBA and then having to go to Germany and then you had time away from the family. And we talk a lot about motherhood guilt, but I do feel that there is the same situation when it comes to fathers. How have you been able to manage that dynamic? Because even in the role you're in today, there's a lot of traveling, meetings, you get home and you've like had so much from the day and it gets really difficult to manage it all. What advice do you have for those who want to achieve the level of success that you have, but they're wondering about the sacrifices and the sacrifices that you have to take? How are you able to manage your time in order to not feel like you weren't always there for the family and that you actually had that time with them? Was there anything specific that you did to ensure of that development time with your kids or your wife? No, thank you for asking that question, because I think that's extremely important. And we always ask that question of females, but not necessarily of the male side, because a family is made up of a mother and a father, a husband and a wife. And both parties need to, well, all three parties, if you include the children, need to understand that there are sacrifices to everything you do in life. If you spend all your time in family and nothing at work, well, your sacrifice may be your standard of living. If you spend it too far the other direction, you don't get to know each other. You don't support each other. You don't grow as a family. So it's that balance that everybody needs to understand from the beginning as to, from the beginning, understand what everybody's getting into, but also as you move through that cycle and make sure everybody's still in that same mode and understanding why we're doing what we're doing and and adjusting and having that open relationship between spouses, between the children of everybody can say anything at any given point in time and challenge each other to get better, to adjust, to say how they're feeling. And I think that's where, first of all, my wife's an amazing individual and she puts up with an awful lot over the, and I'm going to get this wrong, 27 years we've been married, <laughs> yep, 27 years as I count it. She's been a great support. And I think I've been a great support of hers as well. I think that's 
the back and forth that we need to have is that we're encouraging each other. And I've got four great kids from ages, actually, tomorrow my oldest turns 25 and to 15. So having that great broad range of kids and their involvement, being supportive, some of the things that I always try to do is be home on the weekend. During the week, I travel an awful lot. When I'm home, I want to be fully on and I want to be engaged. Sometimes that's hard. As you said, it's you come home at the end of the day and you've been talking for 10, 12 hours. It feels like you've been in a half hour meetings back to back to back to back. The last thing you want to do is sit and talk to somebody else. I just want to sit in front of the TV to understand and ask those questions. And am I perfect at it? I think my kids will be the first and my wife will be the first ones to say I'm not. But they're relentless of keeping after me to make sure that I continue to be supportive and I continue to be there. And there are certain sacrifices that I make. I live on a golf course. I've been on that golf course for 10 years. We're a member of the club, so I've got access to that, but I've never played my golf course. So I play golf on occasionally when I'm on the road, but when I'm at home, spending five hours away from the family to go play golf is not something that's in my life right now. Those are some of the minor sacrifices, but we do an awful lot together. We take very good vacations. The summer vacation is a highlight of the year. And even my kids, you know, the 25-year-old, the 23-year-old, both of them are married. And they say, where's the Vorberg vacation this year, Dad? Because I think we're creative around our vacations. and, And it's great that they want to spend that time with us and bring their spouses along. And we spend that time together. because. Family is utmost important. And I think that's the other focus that I've always had is on my family, but also on my employees' family. And if things aren't right at home, that means work is going to suffer. But let's go spend the time at home and make sure that we spend that proper time at home and the work life balance that we find where that is. I'm still working on it after 30 odd years in this industry. So I'm not an expert, but I am aware that things always need to be focused towards the family side. Thank you so much for sharing that. It really brings you just a big scope into the sacrifices that do need to be taken when you are taking on bigger and bigger responsibilities. And that there is that struggle of balance of how much time am I spending with the family versus work. But I think at the end of the day is quality over quantity. And those moments that you are with the family, you're full on or, you know, big vacations that everybody looks forward to. And just at the end of the day, I think as children, they are looking at their dad live his dream and work and be happy with what he does. And I think that's what is more inspiring than maybe someone that's there every single day, but they're not happy with what they're doing. And with a lot of the people that we've had on the podcast, they've mentioned that is when you are happy with what you're doing with your career and being supportive with them and them being supportive with you, it really goes a long way that they see their dad going after their dreams because then it inspires them to do the same thing. And kind of on that topic, you are three generations, you know, you followed your father's footsteps, you were inspired with what he was doing. And one of your sons is now also working at Siemens Energy. It says a lot about the culture for sure, and the leadership that he would want to come work for a company that he's seen you be with for the last 20 plus years. It's really inspiring to see that. And you mentioned that you weren't the only like three generation family at Siemens, there's quite a bit. So it's really interesting, because I've never heard of that many families or even know anyone that has three generations in the people that we've interviewed. So 
What do you think was one of the reasons your son maybe wanted to look into this? Because we're finding that the new generation, they aren't as excited to come into the energy industry or even like be part of the energy transition. They want to go into other areas, right? The Amazons, the Facebooks, the other kind of tech world. And can you tell us a little bit about maybe like what his feedback has been and maybe what were his ambitions into following your footsteps? And I guess it must be hard to come into a company where people know that your dad's a president and maybe the like, oh yeah, you got it easier. You were able to get hired, et cetera. But I remember when you told us the story, you mentioned that he doesn't even like saying it. And most people probably like don't even necessarily know who he is. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So no, there's an awful lot there. So let me start with that. Uh, so we're three generations deep. We've got at my count in North America that I can count at least three families that are five generations deep. That says something of the company that we are is, and we do a lot of surveys of our employees and they're great, valuable information. But my biggest point is when I start seeing a parent say to their children, hey, you should come work for us. This is a great company. To me, that's the ultimate situation, and that's the ultimate vote of confidence that I really want to drive. There's challenges, though, when you get multi-generational, because some people can call that nepotism. And what I really want to drive is that no children are guaranteed a job. They get the interview maybe on their parents' credit, but they get the job on their own credit. And that's making sure that they've got the right education, the right attitude, and the right capabilities. And that's the only way that they get the job. The parents may introduce and we may say, hey, that the parents are good, probably the kids good as well. And let's interview them. Let's see her or her and let's see how it works. So that's the nuance is generational can become a risk, but it can also become a benefit. I know my son doesn't, as you said, he likes to run underneath the radar as I get unsolicited feedback about him and I'm very proud of him. And I can see he works hard and he gets no credit for being the boss's son. As a field engineer, we all started and we all work night shift. Mm -hmm. Guess what he does is he works the 12 hour night shifts as well. He doesn't get the credit of, oh, you're the boss's son, you get the day shift. No, he works the night shift. And I've heard of people, and he probably doesn't want me saying this, but people have told me that when he introduces himself, he introduces himself using his first name only. I'm proud of him doing that. I think that's very important because he doesn't want to run on my coattails, and nor do I want him running on my coattails. It's hard to hide with my last name. If we were Smiths, we may be able to uh, hide in the organization, but Warbirds are hard to hide. So he knows he's got to work twice as hard to prove that he's not the boss's son. He's somebody that's working hard, that's inquisitive, is doing the right things. And that's the reason that he gets the opportunities that he gets. Proud of what he does. My second child, my daughter, she just graduated in the springtime. So she's a mechanical engineer as well. So we've got the two oldest are mechanical engineers. My daughter's got her master's and my third child, my daughter, she's in school now. And I tell people we lost her. We lost her to accounting, but we're pretty proud of her as well. And the fourth one is still in high school in the 10th grade, but he shows all signs of being an engineer. So to quote Dilbert, I'm sorry, but your son's an engineer. So uh, (laughs) we're pretty proud of having uh, two full engineers, one potential, but very proud of having an accountant in the family as well. 
I think that's incredible. And I would have to say that I believe when you are the father or daughter, president's son, or working in the same company, I find that more challenging because of just what you stated, him trying to hide, like you're constantly always trying to prove yourself. So it says a lot actually about that person to even accept that type of role in a company where they know they're going to be already assumptions made, like they're already going to be looking at you with perceived ideas of who you are and why you got there. So it says a lot about him. And I'm really excited for your whole family. That's really awesome that they're pursuing energy, but also just mechanical engineering and engineering in general. It's very exciting. So to close, you've had an incredible career. We got it in this 30 minutes of what we've talked about. I know it. we could go on forever, but what is the one piece of advice that you could leave our listeners with that could help them both professionally and personally that you could share before we close the podcast? One piece is tough. So let me do my best. (laughs) I may stretch one piece, but first of all, care for people. Your people are really who's going to support you. They're the ones that are going to do the work. They're the ones bringing value. You're there to help lead them to knock down barriers but care for your people and support them. That's the sign of a good leader. But also when you take that role, and this is where Expanded is, make sure you enjoy what you're doing. Do what you do for a purpose. Our purpose is to drive the energy transition, to decarbonize the world. And it's an exciting role. It's a good reason to get out of bed every day. So enjoy what you're doing and enable those people around you to do what they desire and and be motivational for them. So that's a quick summary of what motivates me to get out of bed every day and make sure that I'm willing to sacrifice, trade some of the good things or the family life around this, because I think we've got a great purpose and excited on the direction that we're going. What I love about what you stated was one thing is loving what you do and finding your purpose. And if you find your purpose and you like what you do, you're more apt to be caring for those around you too, because you're happy with yourself and the direction you're going. So I think we could take anything from you today, Rich, it's that you stayed true to what you wanted and where you wanted to go. And that gave you so much success, but also you cared about those around you and you started at a very young age. That's why you were able to move up as quickly as you did in the organization. I think it's just really important for those to understand that, you know, finding your purpose, although it can be difficult in the very beginning, as long as you continue to care for those around you and be the positive light in the situations that you are in, there's so much opportunity that can come about just being that individual and moving that into your leadership style. Rich, I thank you so much. I mean, we could do a part two on the incredible (laughs) story of yours and where you've been. And we really appreciate your time today. Very much my pleasure. I really enjoy meeting both of you as well as I commend you on the work you guys are doing as well. I'm a big fan of your podcast and great to see that we've got more women engineers in this industry and that we're driving this forward together. The great diversity of thought is so important. And the old white guys need some young blood in this as well as significant diversity to come up with some new great ideas. So commend you on everything you're doing as well. And you have my support as well as my company's support in what you're doing. So congratulations and thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. And if you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Tell us what you liked about Rich, what you learned from him. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. And we will catch you on the next one. See ya. Goodbye.